0: you're listening to two chunks and a honk movie musings for mostly everybody
2: Welcome to Two Chunks and a Hunk. My name is Jordan Wonders, and this week I am your chunk. I'm Doge, and chunk
0: is out there. (laughs) And I'm Carter, and I was hiding under your porch because I chunk you. Can I stay? (laughs) That's very good. Hey, that was Uh, a really good Doug. Thank you. Very good. First try.
2: Nobody said hunk. Could that be because our hunk is. The
3: fourth member of the team? We have the fourth and most silent member of Two Chunks and a Hunk. His face is on our video call right now, but his <laughs> voice is not in our ears. And his name is Adam Scary Stout. Adam, Scary Stout.
0: Adam is the hunk because he has put together this process with all of its channels and all of its tabs uh, and has been a big, big help. I don't know what we would do without him for real. Though. Yeah. How fortunate are we to basically have a resident
2: IT guy and sound guy and sounding board? And I mean, (laughs) the best
3: and just just like a freaking bro, a solid
0: bro, just all around homie. You talk about how fortunate we are. I it comes up every single time someone asks about like, hey, what's y'all's like? What do y'all usually do? Like someone who wants to start a podcast or is thinking about starting a podcast. And I'm like, well... Just call it's not Adam. really, it's not really <laughs> fair. Like I don't know, and I'm I'm the most illiterate on tech stuff of all four of us, and so Adam probably spent the most time with me. Um, but yeah, <laughs> we are most fortunate to have him. Is this like this? Might be the third time he's been a hunk. Maybe third or fourth. Should be the yeah, hunk at, every
3: time. Adam is our major secret ingredient. The reason that we yeah. sound the way that we do. The reason that you like our show probably, and I think the reason we all get out of bed in the morning is Adam and our son. Out. He's our son. We forgot to and mention And our that. dad and probably our grandpa. I think we've called him lots of different things throughout the He's course our of He's our dad, episodes. our but son, our grandpa, our uncle, our uncle scary. Amazing. But this week, Adam is the hunk and he deserves it.
2: He deserves it big time. Hey, and do you know what else is well-deserved? The next Sorry. round of I have a Pixar guess. picks. Pick what pick your Pixar picks are. <laughs> That's the That's one. right. That movie that we're talking about today... It was going to be interesting be a good idea. to
3: try and say it all at
2: once. <laughs> that movie is, of course, I know it, you know it. Let's say it together.
0: <laughs> up. <laughs> Boy, we really
2: hope that lines up in post. <laughs> yeah. Video calls make things interesting. But uh, I can think of no better way to kick things off than to ask my good friend, Duzois, if you have a synopsis. Duzois.
3: Duzois, do you have a synopsis? Duzois? Now, you may be wondering to yourself, there's a long period of time here. It feels like a delay in the episode where the pace kind of just stops. And you could be saying, maybe that's because of the video call. But I'm going to tell you it's not because Zoom is a really excellent service. And you think maybe that's because of the setup we have. And it's no, because Adam is a really excellent service. It is because I forgot that I give a synopsis on every episode Ah, of this podcast.
2: It's understandable. You only do it every time.
3: We're just gonna leave this all in. <laughs> <laughs> We've read one of this guy's synopsises before, uh, <gasps> but but this individual is an IMDb user called Grants with two S's.
0: Grants, the Grants the Grant Dance.
3: Grantsis writes after his wife's death and an incident at home, elderly Carl Fredrickson is forced into a retirement home, but he still wants to go on the South American adventure he and his wife had planned. Ultimately, the adventure involves a flying house, a young boy, a talking dog, and a large strange bird. That's it.
0: That's he all. Just, oh, he, wow.
1: It's
3: two sentences. He just got tired. He was. I think he looked at the poster. He was like, ultimately, it's, there's like a house with balloons and like some mountains and a waterfall, and that's it, yeah, I guess, probably. It's, that's it's up, pretty, I think. I think. There's
2: an
0: old guy. I do see an old guy, so. <laughs> uh, incident at home was way too vague. It's like he just yeah, pushed sure. himself. Yeah, then, then he had to then he had to move. He had to move. <laughs> he got Gosh. embarrassed
2: to be around himself anymore after,
0: Get- uh,
3: after that oh. whole thing. He he lost <laughs> his remote, and he was just like, "That's it, I'm gone." Have we really resorted to pube humor? Pube humor. That's the thing. just know that in these changing times, you can always count on us to find the most lowbrow thing to laugh at and this time it's poop. (laughs) In fact, maybe most times it's poop.
2: Most of the time it's poop. It's poop a lot. It's poop a lot. So, um, before we go into, uh, talking about this movie, there, there's something that I've noticed with Pixar that I'd like to bring to the forefront so we can have a little discussion. Okay. Okay. Every Pixar movie, it's like a thing. They, they put connections to other Pixar movies, right? Yeah. Yep. There are people who have taken those connections, those Easter eggs, (laughs) and have turned it into something more.
0: Something ridiculous. Can we talk about this for a little bit?
3: Sure. Yeah. The the Pixar theory, I think, is what it's called. It is the dumbest thing in the whole world. Yeah. And there's like a timeline
2: and
0: stuff.
3: It's Pixar's
2: version of like everybody who's obsessed with the Illuminati and New World Order. It's just that, but for the Pixar series where it's like Lotso Huggins Bear was actually an eldritch god who rose from the ashes of the fires of the first world to take Dude, over all of like, it's crazy. Well,
3: yeah, their their whole thing is that like, okay, so humans left in Wally and then like they never came back, and that's when the toys came alive. And then those toys, over time, evolved so into cars. And it's like that's stupid.
0: That's just stupid. Yes. You're looking for connections there's humans that aren't
3: there. in Toy Story. Not if you watch yes. close, dude. <laughs> there,
0: there's one thing. It's one thing to be like Rapunzel's parents, or like whatever the shipwreck was that they say is like uh, what, oh. what Ariel's swimming around in, and it's in Tarzan, sure, yeah. and that yeah. kind of stuff. Like that's kind of fun. Those but are when you're stupid.
3: X. Because it's not though. The director of Frozen said, Hey, their parents were shipwrecked. Maybe they had a baby boy who was raised by gorillas. And everybody was like Tarzan frozen connection confirmed. And it's, dumb like that's the thing yeah. like we, we live in an age where there is constant clickbait movie journalism about the stupidest things and re- rumors get reported on as facts because everybody's desperate to have the first scoop of something that people might click on and it's absolutely bananas
2: Yeah. now the Ultimately, Pixar theory that I believe is that every character voiced by John Ratzenberger is just quantum leaping from movie to movie
3: I mean I think that's all but confirmed yeah that's the one that makes sense to
2: me
0: yeah <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That one makes the most sense. Um, yeah. I think what offends me the most about the Pixar theory is that it's taking away the fun Easter. Like it's making the Easter eggs something completely different. Like just and let sometimes them go like nefarious. Yeah. Let them have the pizza planet truck in every movie. That's fun. Like that doesn't mess with the narrative or anything like that. Right. Unless you make it mess with the narrative, which is so stupid. Well, These, these kinds of Pixar
3: theory things, it feels like it feels like people who saw Inception and they're like, ooh, I bet every movie's actually like that where you don't know yep. what's real and what's not. And also they only account, that off. They only account for the obvious Easter eggs. Like there is nothing in the Pixar theory about A113, which is a number sequence, a numerical sequence that shows up in every Pixar movie because it's the classroom number of an yeah. animation class that a lot of the people who founded Pixar went together. Right. It'd, be fun right. to
0: keep, it'd be fun to keep track of that at least. We don't have to do all the yeah. Easter eggs because that would take up 50% of our podcast. But the A113 was the number on the clerk's door yeah. uh, in Coco. So we can we can bring that oh. up per... I wonder where it is in up. Did you guys catch it? I didn't look for it in up. No.
3: I'm going to check I didn't with either. Google
0: on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the enough. thing.
3: See, we've all got computers in front of us now. We are going to be right about every fact that we ever saw. We can <laughs> just I, just,
0: Google I it. don't
2: believe that. I don't believe that. Even <laughs> with technology, I think we have the capacity to be very wrong. I'll bring it up when I find it. Fair enough. Excellent. Let's start talking about up, though.
3: Maybe. Yeah. I'm Boy. Sorry. Boy, this opening sequence sure hits different when you're married, doesn't it, boys?
2: Oh, it does. I was going to bring that up. Very much There's so. There's just no need. Yeah. It's rough. It's
3: too sad. Do, do, do you think there were parents that were like mad? Dude, imagine uh, we talked about it a little bit when we reviewed Lion King like a year ago. Imagine being a parent and being like, yeah, it's like a movie by like an old man in balloons. Cool, I'll take my kid to see it, and then just losing it at the opening 10 minutes of this movie.
0: Right. Yeah. And to give those parents a little bit more credit, I think Pixar had been around long enough that you don't just assume (laughs) that (laughs) it's not going to be heartfelt to an extent, but this took it to another level. Yeah, this was big time. I I agree with that.
2: But there, there there is part of me that maybe wonders. Is this movie, is up as fondly remembered without this sequence?
0: I think so. We might have talked about it a little bit, but I think there is a I think up is known very much for this is one of the most recognizable soundtracks. Yeah. Uh and Great. one of the uh some of the biggest images. Yeah. I think the house with the balloons, I think things yeah, like that. It's iconic. But boy, yeah, there's some massive influence to this opening sequence. On the soundtrack, really quick, this was one of a handful of movies, only like seven movies, uh, that swept every single award show on score. Yeah, um, right, right. Which are the movies like E.T., Jurassic Park. Yep. Lord of the Rings, yep. Indiana well, it Jones. Was, it
3: was Michael Giacono, who um, is my favorite composer working today. Yeah, he's he's
2: unbelievably good. Um, So it makes sense that the soundtrack is that good, but I don't know. I I think I'm, I'm standing kind of firm in, I I don't think this movie, I don't think this movie holds the weight that it does with people without this opening sequence.
3: I agree. I, I think that I've, I know I've talked at least to you guys, maybe not on the show, but in person about, I think that this, I get the sense that up, Act one and act four are the same story and act two and act three are a different story. It kind of becomes a different movie in the middle. I agree. Um, and that's actually going to be my, my super dump is that we don't have enough of a conflict lock between Carl and, uh,
0: Charles Munts. Oh, Charles. Muntz. No,
3: between Carl and Charles for them to be a, a protagonist and an antagonist pair. Carl's goal. If we track that the whole way, uh, Carl's goal is to get his house to paradise falls, right? Well, that's his want. Carl's need is to, to let go of Ellie and let her, right. let her be gone and live his life without her Muntz's yeah. need and his want are the same capture this bird, prove that I was right. Those two goals, those two trajectories really only barely intersect. Like they yeah. almost run parallel to each other and then touch and then pop back apart. And yeah. I think that we need to, we need to cross at like an X for it to mm-hmm. be a good conflict lock. And so it just yeah. seems like there is, there is such a quick turn where Carl goes, no, I got to protect Kevin. Even if it means fighting against my childhood idol, who's the reason yeah. my wife and I wanted to come out here. Right. There's and also I, the, I, the whole thing of, of how they're the same age, even though that he, he was like about 20 years older than Carl when Carl was a kid. There was are we a, supposed a to cut, assume? Oh, that oh at yeah. least there was, no, a, I, I think he's still older. So there was a cut element of this, actually, that the reason that Charles Muntz is looking for these birds is that eating their eggs lets you live forever. Interesting. And so by the time that, that they dropped that line, uh, this is like the top trivia on IMDb. By the time they dropped that line of, of the story, it was too far along in production to make him older. Or to make mm. him younger, so right. they just right. went went with it, and we're like, I guess this is how it's going to go now. But that's oh, like how interesting. Another example of like that's kind of a weird thing, and it doesn't feel like that really. It doesn't feel like Munce's story interacts with Carl and Ellie's story at all, yeah. aside from him being the reason they meet.
0: And right. you talk a lot about the importance of like conflict and all that stuff too, especially when you're talking about a narrative and it feels like it just ends up happening that if, if something like this happens to where it's hard to follow a little bit and there's not as much weight on the villain, the villain starts to become less memorable. Yeah. I think, I think so. Like the Charles Munts of the world, it's like, ah, he might be one of the least mentioned if you were to say, oh, who are your favorite five Pixar villains? Sure. I don't think nobody Mody mentions him. ever he, on that list. Which he's he's one of the most evil, I would argue, as far as just willingness
2: to murder a small <laughs> child and an <laughs> yeah. old man. Yeah. But he, I, th- I think I agree. He, he's, he's kind of f- forgettable. So he, he is actually my him as a character is actually my super dump for this movie. Um, just because I think Pixar is typically pretty good at you know let's look at Ernesto and Ernesto de la Cruz, who is so intense and memorable and he's larger than life and he's incredibly voiced and so fun and then you look at months and he's just a dude and yeah. he's he's just a dude with a goal and that goal so my, my only pushback doge on, on your super dump which I agree with by the way is I think Carl's goal changes when his relationship changes um his relationship with um good grief Russell Russell, thank you. Yeah, when his relationship with Russell changes, I think his goal changes a little bit, and it it, it eventually becomes, well, the, this boy needs somebody. I yeah. need somebody. Yeah, I guess I would wants say to that save this
3: bird. That's not necessarily his goal changing, probably, but that's just him making the shift from his values from what I what I want to what I need, and I think yeah, that's I, I think I agree that's with the that. catalytic moment that we need uh in. In stories like this, when we follow our protagonist and we see that they want something, but we as the audience know that's not what's best for them, sure, we need that moment where where there's a clear circumstantial event that happens to them that causes them to rethink their paradigm in which they say, hey, what I want is not what I need. And I need to go after what I need rather than what I want. Hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. And I don't know I that we get a, that. a really clear distillation of that here. Does, it seems like it, it happens quickly at the dinner table on the blimp.
0: Yeah, sure. I see that.
3: Yeah
2: doesn't it feel like maybe it would have benefited a little from leaning a little i mean obviously it's incredibly sad but um carl and ellie um found out they they couldn't be pregnant doesn't doesn't it feel like maybe there something there with with carl and russell could have been a little more poignant had had they leaned into something that carl felt was missing was
3: yeah a kid that's
2: yeah that's kid. my that's
0: my super dump. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, okay. That, that that wasn't taken as much advantage of because it's, I mean, it's in the clouds too. So it's not the only time, like it's clear, which how brilliant is that entire musical scene of the nonverbal, the fact that they're telling a story without having anybody say anything, you know, when we, we to, start to have the time lapse.
3: I was trying not to super pump earlier when we were talking about that, but the, the score from Michael Giacono and particularly that opening scene that's my super pump. To me, that is the best nonverbal storytelling I've ever seen in a movie.
0: Yeah. It's so good. And it's I can't even think of a strong counter argument with, or like a, a strong oh. argument against it. Oh yeah. No, not Anyway, at all.
3: I interrupted your super dump with my super pump. So you may continue, Carter.
0: <laughs> um, I think, I do understand the, uh, Carl is so blinded by what he wants to do for Ellie that he's missing the opportunity to actually have some kind of semblance of a child. I just think it took too long to get to that point. Yeah, I think so too. In and in a movie that is, it is, it is saturated with thoughtfulness. They, they, it was right there, laid up for them, and it felt. I'm not going to say neglected. That sounds too strong, but it is my super dump. I mean, it's. I think they should have. They should have played with that a little bit more, and I think it would have made the other things that I didn't like about it better. I think it's like, like if it's if if all of a sudden now Russell is captured by months or um something like that there's more weight to that i don't know yeah no i i think you're
2: right and i'm not trying to make a sad movie even sadder but I, right i i guess just seeing because i really do like the relationship between carl and russell and watching it yeah. evolve yeah. i think it's really great it, it i don't know maybe the in this this again I hate to explore how to make something sadder, but maybe more poignant <laughs> is the right word. I'm wondering if it would have been good to have Russell in Carl's house and walk into a room that was, you know, painted blue with a crib and had some toys and say, oh, what, what's this? And Carl, you know, slam the door. Hey, get out of there. That's not, I don't know.
3: It, yeah. It,
2: just something to show that Carl is realizing not just that he can help Russell, but that Russell can can really heal some wounds for him, too.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I just I think there is there's just a sense that the relationships are not quite as locked down and strong as the movie presents them to be. Sure. Which is which is fine. I mean, I think part of. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. Now, now something this movie does really well is to me,
0: humor. Oh, yeah. This movie's so funny. This has a different feel with editing to me. Yeah. Um I think they're also taking advantage of the animation. So well. I, I couldn't get over how creative. I forgot how creative this movie is in a couple of ways via the editing and then also the MacGyverness of it. I think that all the little things like the hose is what's holding down yes. the house and showing all of the strings tied around the what would be holding the logs in the chimney. I f- I think overall it's it is really really creative and I yeah. love it. I had to I, I could be alone here. I had to have a moment with myself watching
2: this where I was like there is no way that this house can float with all oh, those balloons. Too. And then I and then I had to go okay, shut up. Get <laughs> over. It. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's actually IMDb <laughs> trivia for that. Some nerd went out there and was like it actually has to be 120 million balloons to be able to lift up 1,600 square foot of a two-story house. Like they actually did that, and Unreal. they said he—they knew the count of how many he had. So he was like 21,000, which Carl has would actually only carry about 185 pounds. It's like who? Goodness, goodness gracious! What
2: on earth?
0: Who cares,
2: dude? Yeah. I love nerds. I mean, I think I think we all are a nerd in some way, but like that 100%. level of nerd where they're able
0: to just be like, allow me to break down how science is. I mean, we we did spend a good five, ten minutes talking about like skeleton lips last week. So, (laughs) yeah, I guess we don't have. And I think that's valuable
3: content that people need and want. And we don't (laughs) we don't know, you know, in the moment what we don't we wouldn't classify ourselves as heroes. Sure.
0: Right. But that is something people need to know. You're welcome
3: to. Yeah. If you want to call us a hero for providing you with that important information about skeleton scary beak like mouths, then yeah, sure. Go ahead. (laughs)
2: We are likely the leading podcast and source when it comes to the science behind do skeletons have lips and the answer being yes. I dare you mm-hmm. to find another
3: podcast that has ever asked that question.
2: They don't have the courage. They're Impossible. cowards.
3: Total. No, nobody else is willing to tread that ground like we are. And so sharks, for that reason, I'm asking for $1 million for 1% stake and two chunks and a hunk.
0: For a 2% <laughs> stake. <laughs> 2%. Um, real quick before we go past it, uh, and I'll give you more credit, Jordan. You, we probably would have talked about this, so we're not going to go past it. But uh, th- the beginning is so heavy, and it continues to be heavy even when we get sure. out of the... Because uh, we're talking about an old man getting evicted, and then an old man right. making another kind of innocent person bleed. Like, I forgot about that. Like, that shocked me to see the guy's hand come down yeah. after he hits him with the cane. But you're, you're also... Like, I am so invested in this mailbox with handprints on it. So to see it get knocked over, is I was like, that dude uh, deserves more. But So the the only other blood I can think of in a Pixar
2: movie is the blood in Finding Nemo when Doherty gets a nosebleed and Bruce smells it. Can you think of another example of are blood there like, in a Pixar movie? Are there, movie? like, s-
3: scratches and stuff in The Incredibles or Incredibles 2?
2: It seems like there would be, right? Maybe there is. Yeah, maybe. Possibly. I don't know. I don't remember. Possibly. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's just weird to think about. I don't know.
0: It was so startling to me to see the blood. I was like, whoa, that's not supposed to be here. Yeah. (laughs) This is Pixar. uh, On the actual eviction and him going to court, the courtroom is A113. Mm. Oh, nice. There we go. It feels feels like they should have
3: had Carl take the mailbox with him. Yeah,
0: that's true. He actually is holding it at one point.
3: Yeah, but he left it still like bungee to the thing. Like, it seems like that should have been in his living room or like he put it on his mantle or something when he took it. Yeah.
0: Unless that, unless that is like some kind of uh figurative gravestone. Yeah. Like it's maybe. like a, this is what used to be here kind of thing. Yeah. So I'll I, at least leave well a little bit be. of it
2: behind. That's very possible. I don't know. I didn't even think about that until right now. You're right. It's still just bungee there to the post when he takes yeah. off. But yeah, there, there's so much funny stuff here at the beginning. Like the, the sort of, nameless executives that all are on their cell phones wearing aviator all that, sunglasses the all the time. Smiths.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: For real. And, uh, the, uh, the foreman, the construction foreman that is of course, John Ratzenberger, one of his um, best,
0: one of his best characters. Oh, I think. Hey, so good. Was he in Coco? Yes. Uh, so yeah. the, uh, skeleton that is recognized uh, that his dentist has him on the ofrenda because okay. he's got all of the, and he says, gracias. That's, that's like his shortest. Okay. Ever. It was one word. Yeah,
2: I don't know that Pixar's ever made one.
3: He's not in. They haven't. Yeah, no, he's in every one of them. I love that. His voice brings me so much joy.
0: Yeah, Uh, the guy.
3: Speaking of people who Pixar uses a lot, the guy who plays Doug uh, is also Mr. Ray from Finding Nemo, and he's also Chick Hicks from Cars.
2: Oh, triple Disney, Mr. Ray, the 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 Stingray, the
0: teacher.
3: Isn't that John Ratzenberger? Are you sure about that? I'm 100% sure that's not John Ratzenberger. John Ratzenberger is the school of of Moonfish. Yep, yep, you are absolutely correct. That's crazy. Yeah, he's a triple Dizzer. Other huh. fun other fun voice credits uh, the voice of young Ellie is uh, is Pete Doctor's daughter. So, uh, Oh, interesting. The, yeah, like the so the sweet. showrunner for the movie, it's it's his little girl that's playing young Ellie.
0: So sweet. That's very and the voice, the voice actor for Russell was actually the little brother of a guy who was coming to try out for the voice part. And then they met this kid that was tagging along and he just wouldn't stop talking. And they said production yep. kind of looked at each other and was like, here he is. And then that's- they decided to rip an entire family apart by casting the younger brother who just tagged <laughs> exactly. along. Exactly.
3: <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Oh my gosh.
2: It I would be still
0: furious.
3: Like- <laughs> this is still the only thing he's done though. He was Russell here and he was a voice in the Simpsons in the same year and that's it. And you know the older brother does not ever let him forget that his career stopped
2: and started on this one movie. Oh gosh, I bet older brother's so mad. I my younger or, brother listens or, to this
3: podcast and I would <laughs> I would be furious. <laughs> or maybe older brother's super supportive and kind and is like, "You know what? That's the best thing that's ever happened to you and
0: I'm so proud of you." I can't yeah, that's believe what I, I meant to, to be your say brother. that's how
2: I would have been probably. Yeah, that's what I meant to say.
0: I don't I don't have anything to contribute to sibling talk, so how would you have felt if Mirror
2: Carter had taken the role from you? Ooh, your best friend growing up. I mean, I'd
0: probably crack him. TBA. Nice. Yeah, that's nice. fair.
2: So, uh, as the house launches up, the balloons sort of unfurl, and Carl gets his moment of victory over uh, the uh, the nameless suits and the uh, the construction company. Um, this scene is really beautiful, I think. the All the colors, it
0: looks so good. It the really music is incredible. The reflection um, of the colors on the people watching of the balloons. Yes. So cool. Yep.
2: Like the girl in her apartment, uh, the people looking in their mirrors. When when that apartment is taken over by all of the balloons color through the sun, or the sun through all the balloons, rather, It's it's incredible. I mean, that is a marvel to look at. So this at.
3: was this was back in the day when when I don't know that Pixar so much does this anymore. I know that they still try to to innovate technology with each new film, but there there right. was a definite period where Pixar was kind of building the plane as it was flying and they would only take on new projects that were going to force them to create and write new technology for 3D animation obviously. Sure. Obviously, Toy Story, the software they were writing, was everything. This has never been done before. We're making a feature-length right. animation. Bug's Life, it's like preliminary fluid simulation with the raindrops. Toy Story 2, it's a lot of crowd simulation and textural simulation. Right. Monsters Incorporated is fur simulation and material simulation. Finding Nemo's underwater rendering up. Right. The thing that they're pushing really hard in this is... They're, they designed a new lighting engine for this movie. So that's why we get cool. this this great uh, what's called subsurface scattering. They did it a little bit in The Incredibles, but subsurface scattering is where, like right now, Carter, I'm looking at you and you're backlit by your window. So your ears are a little bit red because I can see the blood in your ears through your skin. And now you're winking at me and it makes me uncomfortable. But Sorry. subsurface scattering is something that they really, really push in this movie. So you can see like when characters are standing against the sunlight, their ears are red or like the tip of their nose might be a little bit more red, which is which... Uh, kind of tricks our eye into seeing them as living beings, seeing right, the wow. light entering their skin, scattering around underneath the surface, and then passing back out with the wavelength changed by the color of their blood. The other thing that Pixar did in this is volumetric lighting and God rays, which is where, uh, like in a dusty room, if you see like beams of light coming in, that's what Pixar is able to create with their new lighting engine that they wrote for this movie.
2: It's incredible things like the transparency I mean, of the unreal. balloons,
3: all of that stuff. Like the lighting in this movie is what I kept yeah. noticing over and over again. Is gorgeous. They're it's just so showing
2: cool. off at this point when the house takes off. I mean, really it's are. just, yeah. it's just flexing the whole time. It looks incredible. Um, but this is also some of the peak humor. I think when Russell knocks on the door.
0: Oh yes. <laughs> and, yeah.
2: Uh, can can I come in
3: please? In, please? Yeah. <laughs> it's very good. Uh,
2: it's just so funny and this sort of this sort of to me kicks us off into that second of the four acts that we're saying kind of starts another movie in the middle of this movie yeah um but much like the house lifted off i think it's time for us to quickly lift off into uh maybe show announcements Welcome to Shout Announcements. It's the part of the show where we give shout-outs and make
3: announcements. You know? I do know that that was really loud in my ears. Well, now you know how our listeners feel every single week. You put that right inside my head,
0: and I did not give you permission (laughs) to enter. That's a good way to say it. It did, like, inside my head. Like, that is honestly what it felt like.
2: That's true. Hey, I want to give a huge shout-out to Zoom. Because of Zoom, we are able to do this remote the way we're doing
3: it now. Yeah. Um, and it's it's an incredible service. Also, really. Because smooth. of Zoom, I can make anything out of peanut butter and cardboard. Yeah. Uh, Come on and zoom. Come I, on and zoom.
0: Didn't zoom. know that. Zoom. I don't know what that zoom. even means. So. I know
3: the zip code for Boston, Massachusetts.
0: Oh, because two of zoom.
2: one three four. Exactly. Yeah. You didn't watch Zoom on PBS, Carter? Nope.
3: What? You an old uh, boy.
2: Also wanna give a shout out. Just real quick to Adam, our boy Scary Stout. He's the man. He's the Between man. Between him and Zoom, he did just dab. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's our silent observer this episode. And, but and he did let just me say, dab. That was a crisp dab. Yeah, that was a uh, the crisp It was tight. But uh, hey, guys, we have something really cool. It's called uh, Patreon. And uh, since you're not buying gas right now, you can <laughs> probably take some of that gas money and throw it towards becoming a patron, an official chunk member. We got some cool stuff that comes out there. You get access to some uh, special web pages with some cool data on it. But Super also cool uh, in the middle of our Pixar picks, pick what picture picks are, Pixar, uh, series, we are going to be reviewing Cars 3, objectively the worst Pixar movie.
3: <laughs> yeah, based on y'all's ratings, this Cars 3 got two total votes. And, and I Y'all. am speaking directly to both of you that voted for this movie. Or one that voted twice. <laughs> or one person that voted twice, even though we asked you not to. <laughs> How
0: That's dare Patreon you? Patreon member.
3: <laughs> How dare you? That's what we have to say. But yeah, check it out. Join up. It's a good time. Speaking of good times, we're going to have one of those next week when we review the third movie in our Pixar picks. Pick what picks your Pixar Pixar series, or I guess this is fourth place since we're going in descending order. We're going to review Inside Out. And so if maybe your life feels like it's turned a little upside down right now and you need to get some of your feelings out. Yep. We would love it if you'd watch Inside
0: Out with us and then tune in to hear us talk about it next week. Absolutely. would love that. And additionally, uh, during this time, uh, we're kind of already, I feel like we got a lot of millennials that listen to the podcast uh, mm-hmm. that kind of already spend a good deal of their time uh, on the social media. Social media. Uh, you might be doing it even more now. And I would really encourage you to follow ours. Uh, Twitter is a fun follow because it's going to Say some of the general things that any of our social media accounts say, of like when a new recording is out and things like that. You'll also get some up to date news, and there's a lot of that right now, especially uh, very movie or only very movie centric updated news. And then on our Instagram is just a beautiful thing. I don't know what to say outside of it's everything. Like I love it, uh, it's my favorite follow. It's uh, wonderful. 100% recommendation.
2: And uh, speaking of 100%, let's make sure we talk about 100% of this movie by heading on
3: back <laughs> to the episode. Let's do it.
2: And we're back into the episode. Goodness gracious. Just sort
3: of a fade out, fade in scenario here. I felt that on my brain. <laughs> Echoing through the canyons and the valleys and all my brain cracks. That hey, did not feel good. Can you help me understand maybe what the difference between a canyon and a valley is?
2: I've always wondered.
3: Well, most of the canyons that I think that we'll see are... <laughs>
0: on our on our trek?
3: <laughs> on our journey through my brainscape. The canyons, I believe, have a, a steeper decline and the valleys are perhaps more lush and more verdant, while the canyons could be considered craggy and desolate. Um, okay. Okay. Much like the area around Paradise Falls, I would say that that's probably a canyon. See, I was
2: wondering if the canyon was the walls and the valley is the bottom of the canyon.
3: I think the valley is the friends that we made along the way. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. That makes Thank sense. You. So, So who is up, though? Up is the small mailman. You see, I think that's that's one of the things that Pixar theory really got right, is that you have to watch yeah. this movie twice knowing that Up is the small mailman and that the badges that he's getting are actually Woody's old eyeballs that he doesn't need anymore because oh, he's a toy, an immortal gosh. god toy. So that's really, yeah. once you understand that secret key, then you can know what this movie's really about, which is yeah, Up, I, I read Up the small you mailman. Mute- if you mute
2: this movie and play Radiohead's OK Computer underneath, that it syncs
3: up perfectly. It's pretty wild. It's I mean, more people need to be talking about this.
2: So welcome to our new Radiohead podcast. Podhead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Podhead.
2: Oh, man. That's good. It's not good. What is good <laughs> is isn't. this movie. Yeah. So this is the part I feel like once we're up in the air and we're sailing the house through the sky... Um. This is probably my least favorite sequence in the movie. Why is that? It looks great, but it it feels like whenever I rewatch up, I'm just waiting for them to land and tie themselves to the house and start walking again.
0: You know? Oh, you're just ready to get past it. Yeah, I think so.
2: I, I think it's just sort of the the storm looks great, um, but it, it feels just like we had to find some sort of a bridge between taking off and getting to South America. I think it's yeah.
3: because this happens so late in the movie because the fact that uh, yeah. the fact that we're essentially starting another story right here in the middle means yeah. that we've got to go through all that setup again. And like, I think if we have this, then we've got to cut and and it's hard. It was my super pump, but we've got to cut the married life montage at the beginning. Yeah. like if we have Dang. this storm we 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 have to choose and i i think the movie honestly works better if we don't have my super pump in it and we don't see all that stuff with ellie and we just see her picture on the wall because that gets us going it gets our story going so much faster and i'm so much less bored by this
0: it's not the kind yeah. of point that you want to be that you want to hear be made but i it, it you have made a point right i don't want to have to hear that i there's a better way of of doing that, and it includes taking away your pump. But I know I well, do love it so it, it's much. It's just
2: it's just weird. I, I I love it too, and I think it's brilliant. But my my point for me, I think, still stands. Of I don't think this movie is remembered quite as much of a masterpiece as it is without this, uh, without the montage at the beginning. But I think that the movie flows better without it. So it just sort of feels like the best thing in the movie is thrown in right at the beginning. And then the rest of the movie has to make up for the fact that it's in there.
3: I mean, I think it's remembered really fondly because of Doug too. I mean, I think Doug is yeah, that's fair. You know, like every there was a period of time where every every single teacher was like, "No squirrels in my class. You got to pay attention to me when I'm in front of the board." You know, what I mean? like that's right. a huge like <laughs> became accidentally a big cultural touchstone that, and like I've never heard those cones referred to as anything except for the cone of shame since oh, this 100%. movie came
2: out.
0: You know, 100% so think
3: there are big cultural touchstones with with Doug being the cutest Pixar character, probably. So, yeah,
0: I mean, you were saying I get Jordan and Doge. You're saying like when the best part or maybe just Jordan, the best part of the movie is at the beginning. It is definitely the most memorable. It is the most dense with things that are meaningful to the narrative and all that stuff. Sure. My super pump, though, my considered best thing about the movie is going to be a little bit of a cheat. On as far as super pumps go. Okay. But I'm going to collect all of the sidekicks and put them together and have that be my super pump. That's Doug, that's Kevin, that's all of Muntz's dogs. Right, yeah. Uh, I think every supporting character outside of munts Russell, and Carl are so fun. I think yeah, this I is agree. some of the most fun. Kevin goes into the, what's the, is it Bucky the Squirrel?
1: Yes. In Yepfer's yeah. Yeah. new
0: groove. Kevin goes into the nonverbal. Like, there's always such a good. Uh, this is also Pascal and Rapunzel. Like, sure. The little love lizard that from Frozen. So too. much. And then it's like Disney's aware of themselves. And they're like, some of our best sidekicks are the ones that don't talk. Well, a dog wouldn't normally, but look at this creative take on if they could and having those sure, collars yeah. on them. I'm all for it. I love yeah, it. every. It's so like, good. When we're in Munce's. Uh, blimp and they're pouring so like about as good as a dog would pour like yeah. champagne and yeah f- fixing. I can't get enough of that. It's almost like minions level type stuff. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah. It's very
2: good. And, and, and Doug is hilarious. Kevin is hilarious. I love that we decide on the name Kevin for this bird. Yes. Um, yes. Callie and I have this thing where like, Human names for animals is just the peak of comedy. Yep. (laughs) Like an animal just named a person's name is instantly so funny. And so Kevin slays in the wonders house.
3: I have long thought that the funniest possible, there are two options for a dog. It's a wiener dog named Thomas. and, (laughs) And for a cat, it's an orange tabby cat named Andrew. I think both of those are just so funny to me and I don't know why.
0: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I didn't even realize it. When I was a kid and I would tell people our, my childhood dog's name, people would laugh. And I'm like, why? This is like a perfect name for him, but it's the name that he had when we got him. But I had a dog named Wesley. <laughs> yeah, and it's that's just very so, good. yeah, it is just so strange when I look yeah. back on it. That's
2: a very funny name. I, I like that <laughs> a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that you're absolutely right. This movie, even though this middle part for me feels weird and sudden this movie shines when there are multiple crazy characters on the screen yes Yes. you know when doug is being adorable and when kevin is being hilarious and just a bird i I don't know how to describe it other than like kevin is just a bird that they're interacting (laughs) with a raptor so fun yeah. Um, but then you, you also get these moments like Russell doesn't know how
0: to dig the trench to poop in, which is <laughs> super funny. <laughs> yeah. And we need to, in terms of things that he doesn't know, he also doesn't know how to build a tent. And, but that is a huge deal for like a kid's movie in general, but also specifically for Disney, I think not just yeah. Pixar, but this is the first time we openly talk about like, dad's uh, cause dad's not a lot around. of times in Disney. Yeah. Why yeah. dad's not around. It's not cause of a widow or widower anymore. It's like it's they got a divorce i think is is what yeah. is is being alluded to and that's a big deal and yeah. i think for the weight of of that conversation i think it was handled well was there any offense taken by no none any and other it, viewers yeah i, for, I think it me, was done so
2: smart i know that i know that the opening montage is frequently seen as the saddest part of this movie and it's very sad and very touching but to me the saddest moment in this entire movie is Russell telling Carl that his dad's new wife says that he bothers his dad.
0: Yeah. It's oh, devastating.
2: Uh, like, uh, I mean, it, it, that is like so unbelievably sad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it really it is. is. I can't put my head in the space for that in this movie. Like, it's hard for me to make this movie in that line congeal. Yeah. Um, but it's See, just
3: I think so it, sad. I think it's... There's a sense, though, in, in which that type of thing belongs in act one and act four in that movie. Agreed. And it doesn't belong in this middle movie about a floating house and talking dogs. Like it, it Mm. like just tonally, I think the movie tries to do a lot and I don't know that it, it succeeds in making all of these disparate things match up. You know what I mean? Like like in, in the middle of this movie, when, we're, when our house is floating and dogs are flying airplanes, shooting darts at a little small mailman, I don't feel like that's the same movie where we've seen Carl and Ellie miscarry at the beginning. You know, like right. it just like, it just doesn't feel... Do you
0: like think it, it's like a f- offensive to other parts of the movie? I don't know. And I don't know whether to think it's
3: stronger if we cut one or cut the other. I don't know which direction right. we should have leaned, but there's it's like... It's tough
0: because... I feel like sometimes in movies, like that is a need because of how deep it is. Like we need to just have an aside so that we can at least like smile and laugh about something. But I do get what you're saying too. It is an interesting balance. I don't know. I'm going to, it'll be interesting to talk about the rest of the movies in this series at this depth, but I can't think of another movie that does what Up is doing and what it's also not doing that we think it's supposed to be doing as confusing as that sentence sounds.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's certainly
2: a lot to unpack and up without a doubt. I do think I want to talk about um sort of Carl and Russell with um well th- there's a specific scene I'm wanting to get to, but do we want to talk about them their interaction with months at all
0: when they first meet him in that dirigible? I mean I'm trying to think of what we would talk about. Yeah, I yeah. don't think
3: there's much to talk about because that scene while it is pivotal structurally is yeah. paper thin. Like he wants the bird and Carl suddenly decides when confronted with his childhood hero that he doesn't want his childhood hero to have the bird.
2: Right. And I, and and I think that sort of leans right into why my super dump was mut- months. Um, like I was talking about earlier, it's just, he's super evil. I mean, like I said, the willingness to just murder Russell outright and murder Carl outright is pretty intense, but I mean, he's, he's sort of evil with no, um, substance to me. Yeah. But the the, the the scene that I would love to talk about um, for me is uh, when Russell and Carl part ways. Carl takes the balloons and floats off or Russell takes the balloons and floats off rather. And Carl has to make the decision to empty his home. Yeah. This is when the movie locks me back into character development. Yeah, me too. When he um, looks at her adventure book. He looks at her adventure book and he decides the only way to save the boy is to literally let go of all the stuff, yeah, all the stuff he was holding
0: on to and it does feel like that's really hard, doesn't it right? It feels like that's super tough for him
2: right yeah um the the scene so this is um representative of my super pump, but i'm I'm not gonna get there just yet, but um i love I love the the two chairs still sitting next to each other as the house takes off, yeah. It's just, it is so clear that Carl's memory of Ellie and who Ellie actually was, they collide here at this moment. And he, I think to me, it becomes really obvious that he's realizing that Ellie would have said, you better go get that boy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah
2: that's so good. I, the, To me, so much, so much that was nebulous and loose really congeals here in this moment for Carl and Russell's relationship. And just seeing that, you know, it, it, it just sort of seems like he would have, he had convinced himself the whole movie. Ellie desperately wanted to live next to this waterfall. And then when it boils down to it in this moment, he's like, no, Ellie would have cared more about Russell. Yeah. yeah. I have to go. C- I don't know. It's just, it, it,
3: to me, it's really beautiful. It is. Yeah. Deeply, deeply emotional and sad. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I agree. Um, but he, he goes off and we get sort of, again, t- I don't know what category this falls under to me, but a lot of this like rescue and stuff, it loses me a little. Uh, how so? I don't know what it is, the, but the the planes shooting the needles and Russell sliding off the thing, like off the dirigible on the chair that he's tied to. Um, it just feels, I don't know if it's Maguri or if it's just all of a sudden it's like a A murderous
3: thing. I don't know what it is. It feels just like a hard tonal shift here. I think that's what it is. Is is that the like it's just tonally so all over the place right here and this is just it's hard for me to not feel like I'm on a boat in a storm or flying a house in a storm for that matter of just being thrown back and forth between like hey this is the deeply emotional very human side of this story and then over here dogs are flying planes.
0: Right. I think I was more okay with it Because this was just so blatantly for the demographic you would think Pixar movies are ultimately made for. Yeah, sure. Even though Pixar is unique in that it's for everybody. I mean, we've talked about like, I think every year you get older, there's something else you pick up from a Pixar movie that you thought you knew everything about. Um, but this felt so much for kids, and I'm down for that. And it's also, I mean, we talk about nerds. There was some blatant Star Wars references that were a lot of fun, and I liked yeah. them being in there. And
2: uh, um, gray, gray leader, like all of their team colors being gray, is very, very funny because yes, they're dogs. Very like, funny. Gray Five standing by had me rolling.
0: <laughs> gray Five standing by. I mean, it, it is almost a frame for frame of of some of the yeah uh, the movements that they do. I don't, I don't know, I don't know spaceship
2: yeah that's super great in the credits um, of this movie Carl and Russell are seeing Star Wars in the theater
0: mm-hmm. which is awesome I think if you were to ask most people that love this movie what, stand, what part of the movie stands out the most to them it's not going to be this though so I, agree. Back, back, I agree back to your point it's definitely not they'll say this is fun and there's laughs too like with Russell sliding down that window for an extended I remember just dying in theaters yeah. when that yeah. happened yeah, it's, yeah. Very it's funny so funny him how long you just hear it and you're looking at Munce's eyes. Well, and
2: um, Doug becoming the alpha by putting the cone of shame on the old alpha is very funny.
3: That's the same um, voice actor, by the way. Doug, Doug and alpha? Doug and alpha, yeah.
2: Oh, that's <laughs> really great. I love that. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of funny stuff here. If, if I may, I'd love to skip to the very end of this movie as yeah. we're sort of wrapping yeah. up. Yes, please. Because uh, because my super pump is here. Um, it, it sort of starts... When Carl gives Russell the grape soda bottle cap as his pin um but it it culminates when they're sitting on the curb counting the red and blue cars and Doug counts one gray car right right <laughs> um it's just their relationship is my super pump yeah it is so at at points almost sickeningly sweet yes um but it it the progression, even in the middle of some of the craziness, kind of feels natural. Um, and and Russell's unwavering devotion to, uh, kind of Carl, but mostly just what is right, and Carl's shift to, also what is right, which is helping that young boy who really needs somebody in his life right now. Yeah, it's just so good, and it, it's to me that's what, that's what elevates this movie above some
0: of the rest. Uh, even our. You know, talking about the end of the movie, even going into the direct post ending of the movie, but like the credits were so sweet. I so love sweet. Every single uh, photo, every single snapshot that we have that's supposedly kind of in the adventure book. Yeah. Um, super cool. Yeah. Super cool.
2: So is there anything else or is it time to rate this movie? I think it's rate o'clock. Okay. Wow. Well. <laughs> We tear at two chunks in a hunk. Have perfected the art of movie rating using the scientific cinema scale—the same science that allows Carl's house to float. That cinema scale is perfect, and it is as follows. You see, the best thing we could ever say about a movie—and I'm just realizing—we're about to have to try and sync this up over a video call—is own it, don't lend it, buy, buy that poster. That poster. <laughs> after that it's gonna be buy it followed by rent it and then stream it after that is forget it and last but certainly least the worst thing we could ever say about a movie
0: god God has forsaken us us.
3: (laughs) you know what we're just we're living on a wing and a prayer and we're hoping that all lines up in
0: post. That's true. I mean we're gonna sound crazy with all the laughing that we're doing after something that will probably sound perfect to the listener. I know because <laughs> I, I like your so optimism thank hey,
2: you i'm gonna I'm gonna rent this movie. I'm renting it. Um, it is super strong in a lot of areas and um, just not as strong as a lot of other Pixar movies uh, in others. Um, it's an easy rental and a probably uh, more than once rental, but it is in fact a rent it for the boy.
3: Yeah, I'm also going to rent it. I, I think this movie just doesn't quite do enough for me to want to buy it. Uh, it's good, but this is, I think, the third time I've seen it. And I probably won't watch same. it again. I probably won't watch it again for a while. Just same. It's, it's very good. It is almost, it's like that that kind of like Dead Poets Society, a star was born, uh, almost, or star is born. Sorry, I mixed up the name of the movie with the name of our game. Dead Poets <laughs> Society, a star is born. Like those kinds of things were just like, That's... It's so good. It really is. I can't watch it very often. It's like Saving Private Ryan. It's like... Yeah, yeah. Great
2: movie, and I'll watch it, like, twice a decade, maybe. Yeah.
0: Uh, I'm going to do a really low buy-it, so it is a buy-it. Yeah. Uh, And it's funny how we say, like, there's no way to code saying really low and really high, like when you look back on things. But sure uh the reason it has to be a buy-it for me is it does feel like it is one of the best. I'm not gonna say the best, um, at several things. I do think that there was some uniqueness to the creativity in terms of how they're having to uh work with the environment, aka just the house in general. I thought that was just unbelievably creative. And then I think in terms of there's not too many Pixar movies. So I think our human Pixar movies, if you count inside out our Inside Out, Coco, and, and this. I don't count Toy Story because most of our characters are, are too. not. Incredibles, What about the Incredibles, yeah? I mean, okay, so we can do the Incredibles, too. But sure. I think um, there's even a little bit more realism in Up, as crazy as that sounds, than, sure. than having super, people with superpowers. I think in terms of the thoughtfulness, it does feel uh, so very easily applicable to the Watcher's actual life. Yeah. And up handles some of those things like divorce and aging and losing people and eviction, some real serious stuff in a really thoughtful way. Sure. Yeah. And so that's what gives it a little bit of of, of extra credit for me. That makes yeah.
2: sense. Well, there you have it. There's
0: up. We did so, it. Uh, as we no, as, as we now Stop
2: asking for it. We did yeah. it. Yeah. Finally, it's over. <laughs> um, as we continue our series, Pixar picks, pick what picks your picks are, picks are uh, next week. Wait, can we all try and say that together? Right would love to, Oh my gosh, yeah.
3: what a disaster. Let's go.
2: It's going to be a uh, Pixar, Pixar picks, picks, pick picks. Pick what picks, picks your picks are. Okay, very good. Um, as we continue the series, as, as Doge mentioned in shout announcements, next week is going to be Inside Out which is going to be, I think, a really great episode about a really interesting and unique Pixar movie. So make sure you check that out. Please, It's going to be good stuff. To end today's episode...
0: (laughs) You bought that half a second in the pause after end to still think of what you were going to do for this? (laughs) I did. I did. Brilliant, brilliant economic use of time there.
2: To end today's episode, I would like for each of us to, as we do, say our name... And say what Carl could have attached to his home rather than balloons that would have made this movie a little more interesting. For two chunks and a hunk, I'm Jordan Wonders. And I think Carl should have just attached an entire brigade of tricycles manned exclusively by toddlers Yeah, to just drag his house all the way I love that. to South America. <laughs> It can be the kid from, it can be a bunch of the kid from Incredibles who's like, I don't know, something amazing.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm Doge. And I'm going to say this movie would be dramatically improved if instead of balloons, it was those big, weird floating rocks from Avatar. Do you guys remember those? <laughs> yeah. because those yeah. scientifically
0: make as much sense as a house being lifted off by a thousand balloons. Fair. That's amazing. Uh, I think mine will be just as visually stunning, but a little bit more confusing. So, uh, and we have to be in New York. We're gonna change the setting of where he lives, uh, and during the Macy's Day Parade, he finds a way <laughs> to get a hold of uh, a giant Pikachu. Yep. Blimp. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and Pika will be what takes him to South America. Yeah. So I like that. Uh, movie so when is, they're going through the storm now, it only makes the balloon stronger. The movie is called Pikachu.
3: <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Which, incidentally, is also the name of a sauce you can put on your french fries that's made from ground-up Pikachu fur. And lightning. Oh. Pikachu. It's spicy. Pikachu Pete. But it's a Pe- good peat. Pixar,
2: P-Ketchup. It's not what you think it is.